This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 28th of March 2017, a podcast about Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem for anybody working with or investigating big data. My name is Jon, and here is my excellent co-host, Dave. Hi, Dave. Hello, excellent Jon. Ah, we're nice to each other today. Uh, indeed, indeed. It's oh, a nice we're, we're, we're talking about one of our favorite things. True, true, true. Always look forward to this episode. Indeed, indeed. But uh, no, don't uh, don't go yet there yet. We have to do a lot of other stuff first. First, some housekeeping, and that's you. Indeed, it is. So, um, congratulations again to Marcel Yan for winning the free ticket to DataWorks Summit uh, Munich. Um, provided t- the ticket was provided to us by Hortonworks, so thank you to our sponsors in that particular case. Um, we are actually now in yet another competition. Another competition cycle has begun, and uh, this time we're giving away a free ticket to the uh, DataWorks Summit San Jose. So if you're interested in that, uh, same sort of uh, process again. We're going to run this for three weeks. So this is your opportunity to tweet about the Roaring Elephant podcast, uh, record other sessions about the Roaring Elephant podcast, maybe present about the Roaring Elephant podcast, or somehow otherwise further the knowledge uh, that the Roaring Elephant podcast not only exists, but is absolutely excellent and everybody should be listening to it. Um, for each entry that you somehow publicize, whether that's uh, a public tweet that we can see or some other method that you send us, uh, we will then nominate you for a ticket. All of the rules for this uh, ticket raffle are on the uh, roaringelephant.org website. You can see all the uh, all the minutiae of detail. Um, but we are looking to announce the winner of this particular raffle on around about the 9th of May. So if you're interested in a free pass to the uh, San Jose DataWorks Summit, this is your chance. Go make some noise. Well put. <laughs> I can't add anything to that, actually. Then let's move on. Yep. I got a plea for the audience. A desperate a plea. Desperate plea. A desperate plea. Yes. I've been debating if the Roaring Elephant podcast should move from a two-weekly to a weekly, uh, what do you call that, uh, cadence. Format? Cadence? Format. Good, too. Because I've been noticing that our recording is getting longer every time. And uh, I'm kind of predicting this show to be about a two-hour long one. I hope I'm wrong, but we'll see. So I've been playing with the idea of moving to a weekly format where every other week we have a uh, new show where we talk about articles we found, as we always do at the beginning of every episode. And then every other week we have a topic show where we talk about a certain topic. That way we will get weekly episodes which are about 30 to 40 minutes long, which I think would be a better experience for our listeners. But to be honest, I don't know. And uh, Dave has been absolutely no help in this either. So, so here's here's the situation. See, Yon, when it comes to this particular piece, Yon is a shark. Yon needs to forever move forwards, change things, evolve things, and uh, generally upset the apple cart. Is that a bad whereas, thing? Whereas, whereas I am a turtle. I'm happily <laughs> swimming around, enjoying you know the podcast, crunching on coral, and all those kind of good things. So the question is: shark or turtle? Do we do we change it? Do we completely? Um, 
renovate and uh, refresh the way that we record this? Do we move to a, a weekly cadence? Uh, or do we stick with the, the comfortable, safe way that we are today? Um, the answer is entirely up to our audience, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I guess one thing that uh, that it might demonstrate is if we do move to a weekly cadence and we alternate between one week a news show, uh, one week a topic show, uh, we'll actually see which sessions are more uh, more uh, popular. So we might find out that actually nobody likes to listen to our news bit and or everyone wants to skip through it. Or the other way around, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess... I guess we'll see. So, yeah, we are looking for some feedback. Mm. Um, we're looking for feedback any way you like to provide feedback. Drop us an email. Um, use the contact form on the website. Send us a tweet. Um, skywriting might be a bit difficult. Yeah, I will put it. I put a message on Twitter as well on this, so uh, people can reply on that then. Yeah, yeah. So we are seeking feedback, and uh, we want to know what uh, what you think. So please do let us know. Don't be silent, otherwise uh, you won't get a vote. Yes, and that means that I can do whatever I want, and that's always a dangerous thing. Uh, very dangerous. Very dangerous indeed. Remember, shark. Remember, turtle. Don't be a turtle. Yeah, be a turtle. Turtles are cool. <laughs> All right, enough about the housekeeping. Let's uh, keep this one uh, in the regular format and start with the news for the fortnight. All right. Well, you've got lots of news to talk about, so I think you should uh, kick it off. Uh, Yep, I've got more than you do. I'm better than Dave. See, go Sharks. Uh, (laughs) First thing I noticed was that uh, finally uh, Hadoop 3.0, Data Lake 3.0, and Yarn 3.0, it's all basically the same thing if you're talking about the subject, are getting some headline news. I'm pretty sure this is also because the upcoming DataWorks Summit next week. But finally, there's been some blogs coming out of Hortonworks. People have been talking about it. So it's something I wanted to put forward here. And I've actually got a three-part blog from Hortonworks. The first one titled uh, Data Lake 3.0, the easy button to deploy in minutes and cut TCO by half, which is a nice write-up, but a bit a bit too markety to my sense. A bit high level. The second one, which is the one I was uh, really excited about, is called Data Lake 3.0 Part 2, a multicolored yarn, where it actually uh, the blog explains how the new version of yarn or the renewed version of yarn will be able to use Docker uh, to do uh, application and uh, something they call assembly-focused uh, deployments on Hadoop, which I think is a very uh, exciting change. And I really want to know mm-hmm. more about that. And there's actually a third version on that, uh, Data Lake 3.0 Part 3, a distributed TensorFlow assembly on Apache Hadoop Yarn, which kind of demonstrates how something like this could work using TensorFlow to do some deep learning stuff. So all in all, uh, very interesting stuff and uh, very nice uh, blogs to read and uh, get yeah, a bit of speed. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I've... we'll talk a little bit about some of the sessions that are coming up, but it definitely feels like... It does feel like another step change. Um, you know, as we went from uh, uh, Hadoop 1.0 to 2.0, we saw Yarn come in. We saw a move from, you know, pure batch to batch and interactive, and that was a significant 
change. And it does it does actually feel, uh, and I was concerned it was going to be a bit forced. Oh, it's three dot oh. Let's uh, let's get uh, let's make something marketing here about it. But actually, it it is now to me at least starting to feel like a real step change and a real evolution of the the overall platform. So yeah, very very happy to see it. Yeah, it also follows uh, my thinking a bit. I've talked about this before in our uh, uh, Crystal Ball show and uh, other episodes, where I see the uh, Hadoop environment not really fragmenting, but no longer be the the one representation of Hadoop. This is Hadoop with these components, but go more to the application-centric thing, where you just take the pieces of Hadoop you want and not those together for a certain use case and then have a second... I'm not going to say Hadoop cluster, but a second environment within that same Hadoop, yeah, real ecosphere at this at that point that does another kind of thing and things like uh, Apache Metron, which we're going to touch on further when you go over the agenda. I think as uh, a uh, prime example of that, of course. Indeed, yep. So for people that aren't in the know yet, uh, it's coming. Data Lake three to do Hadoop three to do Yarn three to do. It's going to change things because the change from between Hadoop 1 and Hadoop 2 were pretty massive, going from a single tenant to a multi-tenant cluster, basically. And it, uh, yeah, as you say, it really feels like this is going to be a, a big step again. And uh, I do feel it's a step in the right direction. Very good. Over to me, then. So, links in the show notes. All right. Yep. Over you. So, uh, this is a little bit irritating because this <laughs> yes, is are. starting to, well, true, <laughs> but this is starting to sound like uh, we're sponsored by Silicon Valley Data oh, Science. No, not again. Nearly, I know, it's really, it, it's starting to frustrate me. And in fact, I'm, I'm going to ban uh, myself ah. from talking about them uh, in at least maybe the next episode. <laughs> but there's a little story behind this. So, a customer, um, asked me to um, talk a little bit about what some of the best practices are around um, data science models and how they should um, deal with models and deploy them and how they should understand what the consequences are behind them. And it's not something that I spend a great deal of time uh, thinking about or talking about. So I went and started to do some research and asked some colleagues and hunted around on the internet. And sure enough, I found a blog on Silicon Valley data science. <laughs> and uh, disappointingly, it was actually really rather helpful. So I'm going to talk about it. Uh, and I'm sorry for anyone out there who is who's fed up with me talking about Silicon Valley data science. Uh, yeah, what can I say? Anyway, so links in the show notes, as always. Uh, and this gives, uh, or gave me at least, a, a really good uh, picture of how you can think about uh, data science development and deployment, um, how this you know fits into a larger sort of model lifecycle workflow. Um, it talks a little bit about, you know, the difference between um, you know, more of a, a lab or development environment when you're just sort of using something for uh, exploration or proving a particular sort of hypothesis. Um, the difference between that, so what they call the lab environment and the factory environment, which is obviously where you're moving your, your model sort of closer to um, a production area. And then it also talks about other concepts, things like uh, a model registry where you can uh, have multiple versions of, of a model uh, registered somewhere and understand what the differences are and the deltas are between the results from those models and understand how to deploy some of these various models. So 
Um, the actual information in this, I thought, was really useful to give uh, an introduction to some of the things to think about if you're looking at machine learning models in production. Uh, and it does actually. There's an editor's note at the top of the um, at top of the, the post that talks about the fact that they're talking uh, at a particular event, and you can sign up to receive copies of their slides after the event. The event is, I think. Uh, early in April, from memory, uh, but I, I, you know, I was looking for something. I happened to find it on this damn site again. Um, Don't be so but, negative. Uh, well, I'm, I'm fed up of talking about them. Talking about them every time. Anyway, I thought it was re- really useful. Um, if you're looking to understand, uh, you know, some of the some of the concepts on uh, how to take machine learning models into production worth a look also we actually had um some sessions talking about this at the kind of at a far more lower level and i don't remember the exact episode that we talked about this but we had some special guests who were talking about um, some of the things they'd done to take machine learning models into uh, production some of the workflow they built around it and do you remember the episode jon not entirely sure what you're talking about. You're talking about the two guys who were on? Indeed. Uh, about M-Leap. Yes. Oh, that's about that a it. year ago, I think. Yeah, oh, We was. can say things like that now. It's about a year ago. <laughs> no, it's crazy, isn't it? Um, but anyway, we'll put a link to our M-Leap interview. So part one was uh, episode 17, uh, Productionizing Data Science, and part two was uh, episode 18. So if you're interested in that as a whole, take a look at this blog post from a high-level sort of perspective and, you know, have a listen to episodes 17 and 18 from a, a more low-level uh, perspective. Yeah, that was going to be the one criticism I would have for this article, is that it stays high-level. It doesn't talk about any kind of uh, technology choices or whatever, which yep. is a big part of this whole thing. But I do agree, it's a very nice, nicely thought-out overview and if you're thinking about doing real uh, modeling, real predictive stuff, this is something that gets sadly underestimated. A lot of people just start doing something, have a nice model, and it works brilliantly in the, 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 the proof of concept or pilot you're doing. And now you have to put it into production, and oh my god. So yep. it's a very nice, yeah, it's a very pretty lengthy article as well, actually. Not, not very indeed, short. Indeed. So. Yes, I, I, uh, for this one time, I approve your. Again, use of uh, Silicon Valley data science. <laughs> so, coming up next episode, an interview with Silicon Valley. <laughs> no, 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 no. You no, just no. You, you got an agreement with these guys, right? They have to push one out every two weeks, so you have something to talk about. Yeah, uh, actually, they do seem to push out a lot of blog yes. posts. It has to be said. Anyway, yes, indeed. Moving on. Over to you. Moving on. Ah, yes. This is me being a bit uh, facetious. Uh, I've got no, that never happens. That uh, almost never, happens. never, doesn't it? Usually I'm sarcastic. Well, well almost. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> it happens all the time, actually. Anyway, go ahead. I've got two small articles, uh, one from Cloudera and one from IBM. And I put these in here a bit to sh- to, 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 to uh, maybe demonstrate is the wrong word, but to talk about how there's still different speeds in the Hadoop world. And depending on the partners you're working with, you have a different speed of development, speed of adoption of things. And uh, the first article I've got here is from the Cloudera site, blog site, entitled How to Set Up a Shard Amazon RDS as Your Hive Metastore. And it 
thing the article talks about is very useful. It actually talks about how you can have your Hive Metastore not on your Hadoop cluster itself, but in an external database, and in this case, a MySQL database on Amazon RDS, where that could be a Postgres, uh, whatever uh, database you have. And this is definitely very uh, useful. But if, uh, dear listener, you're thinking I'm talking about very old stuff, you're right, because this has been in Hadoop for a long time. The reason I think that this is now in the Caldera blog is because Caldera always has shipped a relatively old version of Hive, and they have now finally added the patch that allows you to do this. But it's definitely a good article about something you should do, definitely if you're going to the cloud or in any kind of uh, Hadoop on-demand environment. Having a Hive Metastore separate from your cluster is a very good thing. You should just simply always do that. It's easy. But uh, for Cloudera, apparently, this is still new, which is nice. And by coincidence... Uh, any comments from you, Dave, just before I move no. on? <laughs> no, I'm not touching that one with a barge pole. Okay, moving on to the second article from IBM, which is called Yarn Node Labels, Label-Based Scheduling and Resource Isolation. Again, very interesting article, well put together, talking about Yarn Node Labels, which are very useful. I mean, Hadoop 2.0 and Yarn and in the Yarn Node Labels. Well, something you should know about. If you, have, if you don't know about this, read the article. But again, dear listener, I'm pretty sure that you already know about this, because this has been in Hadoop since... Hadoop 2.0 basically came out, so that's about a year and a half, two years ago. Correct me if I'm But right. how, many, how many people do you actually see using it? Um, depends on the environment. It kind of depends. If uh, You have two kinds of customers in my view. You have the one customer that has a Hadoop cluster for a very specific use case, and it only does that mm-hmm. use case. And for them, the cluster might as well be a Hadoop 1.0 uh, cluster, because there's no real multi-tenant workloads on there. There are multiple people sure. and you still have your yarn queues for the dev, test, uh, production separation perhaps, but for resource allocation there's no need for queues. On the other hand, if you have something like an IoT environment, you have your storm running, you have your HBase running, you don't want those on the same node. So making sure that that schedules nicely I see it used there and primarily when I've seen it used is when you're using SaaS. Yeah. Because the licensing thing kind of uh, makes this a need-to-know thing. Indeed. So I, I do agree. Yes, it's not something new at all. I, I do think it's it is something that I still find myself introducing people to on a regular basis. <laughs> so unlike the other one, uh, the previous article, I think this one has still has relevance and yep. is is is. As you said, it was a nicely written article. has uh, some use, I think, still. Yeah, it's, it's a nice article. It has a nice explanation. And if you're not working with this every day, it even has uh, screenshots from Ambari because uh, IBM being part of the ODPI, it uses Ambari yeah. in their environment as well. So it's very relevant across the board. So And it's a very nice article. It's just Indeed. that I was very surprised to find these two articles when I was looking for news in the last week. <laughs> <laughs> Fair comment, fair so, comment. But again, they're good articles, so if you don't know these uh, concepts yet, do have a read, because they do have a use. All right. With that, back to you. Okay, so anyone that has spent any time leading this, uh, listening to this even, knows that I am easily led by something pretty. Ah, no. So visualizations, <laughs> anything like that, immediately makes uh, gets my attention, which is what they're designed to do, right? You found a new coloring um, book. So 
I uh, I picked up on this um, algorithms tour by stitchfix.com. So this, as far as I can see, this is essentially um, Stitch Fix recruiting. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I can't think of any better way to put it. They're basically saying, oh, look at all the cool things that we're doing with data science and algorithms behind the scenes. Come work for us. We're cool too. Um, and to be fair, uh, I, I, I think it is very, very well done. Um, the only issue I really have with this, so it, it goes through um, a variety of different uh, things that they do and how they use algorithms from, you know, the, the client experience dealing with a, um, a profile, um, how they assign uh, various products to various different uh, warehouses, um, how they uh, get information around sort of various parts of their inventory, um, how they deal with matchmaking certain um, products within their inventory to individual uh, users, and all kinds of things like that. And they actually do have, um, you know, some of the formulas that they use, uh, some of the things that they do with uh, with some of the logistics. It's it's actually, uh, I found it, despite the fact that the, uh, yes, it is very pretty, very pretty indeed. <laughs> um, it is actually, really, I found it quite interesting. The one thing that I would say, and the one challenge I do have with this page, is you will notice it max out a CPU of your <laughs> um, of your machine. Like, really, uh, it's it's crazy and it will at least in uh, in chrome it will eventually crash in a tab uh, and uh, it will die so nice work um but how about making it so it doesn't require an entire cpu and doesn't crash but uh, still very pretty yeah dave a sucker for a pretty face this is true it's, it's 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 actually a nice page. It uh, goes through a lot of the default standard machine learning algorithms and with some graphics. It explains how it works and what the idea behind it. So I do agree. It's a it's a nice and how they <laughs> and how they apply them to their particular business. Yeah, 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 yeah. so now it's nice. It's nice, but as you said, it's a bit heavy, <laughs> <laughs> both on my PC and on my poor little eyes. <laughs> Fair enough. It's a nice page. All right. So, what have you got for us next? Ah, that's a good question. Let's see what is next. Ah, yes. Uh, it's an article I found on Datanami, which caught my eye. The, the title caught my eye. And I wanted to bring it forward to see to get, get your take on it. It's uh, called Hadoop at Strata, colon, not exactly failure, but it is complicated. Now, it's a bit of an alarmist uh, title, I would say. But <laughs> no. If, <laughs> but if you read the article... It's about basically what I've talked before, uh, before earlier on when we talked about Yarn 3.0 about the fragmentation ish of uh, Hadoop where it no longer becomes the same ecosystem. So, what they're saying is that the Hadoop elephant has been used to create the hype around it but doesn't really do anything, it's more the separate parts of it. Now, I do think it's pretty influenced by certain heavyweights in the industry, uh, people, I mean. So it's a bit of a personal vision that's being, uh, yeah, exposed. But um, what's your view on this? If you look at this, I asked you to look at it just before the episode. So. Yeah, um, 
I don't know. To, honestly, to me, it, it seems like... It seems like something that was nailed together from a bunch of different viewpoints. And uh, it's it's not quite clickbait, but it, it, close. It, it's it's very, very close. For example, there's a... There's a quote in here by uh, Peter Wang, uh, CTO and co-founder of Continuum Analytics, um, saying there was an evening talk by Doug Cutting and no one was there. Wang tells Datanami, everyone was out getting drinks. Um, And, uh, I mean... Yeah, it's a lot of dropping the rest like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it just... Yeah, I, I really, I really couldn't get excited about the article. I, the The frustrating thing is that um, I would say that it's far more positive that actually um, Hadoop hasn't failed. It's just evolved into yeah. something it's far larger. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's given an underlying platform that many many additional things can spring out from. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, presenting it as if it's a, they put the snake oil to sell something else. While yeah, you and me, I think both of us we see it more as a catalyst that uh, yeah gave a lot of new riches. Very much so. There's also stuff in there that I really don't agree with, and we've been disagreeing on uh, in the podcast. For if you look under the heading "Big Data Reset," it talks. I'm quoting here: "Big companies have the resource to deal with Hadoop and invest in the DevOps resources to make it work for them." Uh, blah blah blah. But the divisions of mid-sized companies struggle under the complexity of Hadoop. If you're a small company, forget about running your own cluster. That's not true. I mean, that's where the whole cloud thing comes from. That's exactly exactly so. right. But so I've seen this article on all of the aggregators I subscribe to, so I'm undoubtedly a lot of people will see this. Oh, and, it must be true then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the thing I basically want to say here is uh, definitely read this thing. It has some points, but uh, read it in an intelligent fashion. Don't see it as a as gospel. Indeed. Couldn't agree more. Anyway, enough about that. Back to you. Yeah, so... Cloudera made uh, made an announcement not too long ago about their um, data science workbench. So I uh, I was interested in it and curious, so I went off to do some research. Now I'm still a little bit confused, if I'm honest. The as I understand it, the sort of core focus for them is they produce a Dockerized container that um, has a whole set of tools uh, that you that a data scientist can use. And presumably, you can spin up multiple instances of this container for different data scientists or different data science communities, I guess. Now, the way that it's described is that it essentially runs on a series of edge or gateway nodes um, but it provides a sort of fully secured way of talking to the underlying cluster. And uh, presumably, um, you know, a number of different tools are mentioned, um, although not very clearly. So there's uh, Jupyter gets mentioned once or twice. um, And a bunch of different languages are mentioned uh, that can be used as well. But it's it's not exactly clear how it's different from running these tools in your cluster uh, at all anyway. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I can't help feeling that I'm 
missing the point uh, some way, shape or form. Because to my mind, if you have security in some way, shape or form on your cluster, so you have uh, you know, role-based access control, uh, attribute-based access control, you know, however you apply security models against your against your data, against your applications, then that still needs to be exposed back up to whatever methods are being used to access the data in the first place. Um, so I don't really see that you're simplifying things from a security perspective. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know whether it's it's just a, a case that they've packaged up all of these tools, um, R, Python, Scala, Jupyter, together in, a, in an easy-to-consume Dockerized image. Maybe that's maybe that's the value. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not quite sure. I I still feel that there's there's something I'm missing here. Um, and well, while they did have a session at uh, Strata. Um, I was surprised to see that actually you can't uh, you can't actually download the sessions or view the sessions from Strata. Mm. You who have to uh, have to have been there. Um, so I guess I'll be waiting until the webinar series, which uh, starts up next month, and find out a bit more about it then. But yeah, color me confused. Yeah, I'm kind of looking through the article now, and you say it's supposed to be on a couple of edge nodes. It's it's multi node or is it a single node Docker image. <laughs> I think it's a single node Docker image, and I think I think the idea is that it, it still has, you know, it still uses Spark, for example. So therefore, it, it, you know, parallelized um, compute using Spark, which must be on the cluster, surely. Otherwise, you know, why why on earth would you do this? It wouldn't make any sense. Um, and, and the the other thing that I did notice is it seems to only talk about um, Spark and Impala, so I don't I don't think it actually interacts with anything else un, you know, on mm. an underlying basis with the cluster. Yeah. But I it's it's difficult to know. There's there's not enough information out there. I went to go and look at the um, uh, the session. Uh, uh, from Strata, and it got sort of a uh, sort of three out of five rating, which also mm. worried me a little bit. So I don't know. I, I guess we'll we'll wait and see when uh, uh, when the the webinars and, and those sort of things go into more detail, hopefully, and uh, maybe explain it a little bit more. Yeah, but it is a repackaging, right? Uh, apparently, they uh, Cloudera purchased or joined or whatever uh, Sense.io, which had a, a Dockerized image for using R, Python, Spark, and more. Mm-hmm. And they pretty much Cloudera took this in because it's on the Sense.io website now. Sense is now part of Cloudera, and they just pulled that out. Now, might this be some kind of competitive offering for CloudBreak, which also allows Dockerize to do? But that really makes you gives you a full cluster. While this does look like it's a single Docker image only. And considering, I'm looking at the article page itself now, uh, it says Cloudera Data Science Workbench is a web application that allows data scientists to use their favorite open source libraries and languages, including R, Python, Scala. For me, this says Spark. And they, on the article itself, I don't see Spark being mentioned, which is strange, because on the Sense.io, it definitely says uh, to production using R, Python, Spark, and more. So it looks like it's a Spark cluster. 
with a bit of Impala on top, perhaps, or at least the connection to an Impala uh, instance somewhere. It doesn't really say that Impala is being delivered with it. So, I mean, dockerizing is new. It's hype. So I guess everybody needs to dockerize something. <laughs> and it does allow you, I mean, uh, me being from Microsoft, we do have something called a data science VM, which you can spin up from the marketplace, which is just a VM that has Spark and TensorFlow and GPU libraries yep. involved. Just, and the idea is that a data scientist wants to play around with the stuff, has a safe environment. We can just do whatever he wants. He can reach his data sources, maybe Impal or block stores, whatever. Maybe this is how you should look at this. And then Workbench should be interpreted as being playbench, play workbench, experimental environment. But I don't see much product in here, let's say it that way. And yeah, I don't know. It's like they're competing with themselves. Yes, possibly. Like you don't need Hadoop, just take this Docker image and it does everything. <laughs> well, I don't know. I I think it's I think it's more like a gateway. I don't think it does anything itself. I think it needs a cluster to actually do anything. I think it's just a set of tools nicely packaged in a Docker image. I think that's then where it is. To point towards uh, CDH in this case. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Possible doesn't really say anything more. Yeah, this on the Sense.io page it just says things like uh, distribute workloads across a cluster. So. Mm-hmm. The other mm-hmm. slightly puzzling thing is uh, in so there are two two links in the uh, in, that we'll put in the show notes. One of them is a, a, a dbms two dot com um, a post and. Uh, <laughs> That one, someone, uh, the the person here, their name? Matt Brandwine of Cloudera was no, a briefer. that was the person who briefed. I don't know who actually published the article. I don't know. It doesn't seem to list it. But no. that, that particular person asked the question, is this closed source, open source? And they didn't really get a clear answer. So it's repackaging, obviously, a bunch of open source tools, but... Yeah, but don't know. it's fine, right? You can repackage open source yeah. in a non-open source environment. So yeah. Apache does allow that. And actually, packaging it is something you're... That's an extra service, so it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I guess we'll see in the future if this uh, pops up more. Indeed. If it's relevant or not. Indeed. The future will tell. So... Anything else from you? I think there is. Uh, of course there is. I've got more than you do. That's always the case, isn't it? Sharks for the sure. win. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, yep, I've got one last thing I want to talk about, and I'm going to put three links in the show notes with different blogs and a uh, general article about the subject. Uh, but what I want to talk about is the... A uh, surprising fact, at least surprising to me, that the new version of uh, Hortonworks HDP will be available in public cloud before it becomes available on-premise. Uh, both Hortonworks and Microsoft have released uh, blog posts about uh, 2.6, I think the uh, version number is, yes, mm-hmm. will be available on HD Insight in the cloud environment before it becomes available on, uh, on-premise, on which is a bit of a... Uh, a shift in uh, way of working, I guess. 
cloud has become more and more important for the whole Hadoop ecosphere because, uh, well, as the other article mentioned, the smaller companies do have a bit of a problem. They have to buy a big cluster in one go. And uh, Linux does lend itself very well to virtualization. So you still have a bit of a hit in performance, of course, but the manageability and uh, ease of use often, well, oftentimes uh, win out on uh, any kind of detractory reasons for using virtualization, I guess. So, and of course, since uh, this podcast is pretty much chaired by Hortonworks and Microsoft, if I can say it that way once, <laughs> I couldn't really let this article go without actually talking about it. So, from my point of view, I think it's great because I do believe in cloud. I wouldn't be working where I'm working. And uh, having this happening really uh, gives me a, a kind of a seal of approval that my my way of thinking is the right way of thinking. But I was wondering what your views were. No, I, I think it's uh, it's not a complete shift. I think it's a an extension of what had already started happening. You know, mm-hmm. with, if you look at the 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 last release, actually LLAP is still considered as uh, as tech preview in um, HDP two point five, but you can actually switch on and have it supported within um, HD Insight. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's. I think it's easier to to do things like that because HD Insight itself is more of a um, you know prepackaged environment with a whole bunch of uh, additional pieces already uh, pre-built and design, you know, designed for a specific set of um, use cases. Is probably a bit harsh, but a specific type of of user. So I think it's it's just a, a continued extension, a continued drive in that direction. But I think it's it's certainly reinforces the um, cloud-first message that I'm certainly seeing across um, multiple customers, multiple prospects as well. So, Yeah, and most multiple distrib- distributors and vendors as well, because it's not only hardware that goes cloud-first. Uh, if you look at the cloud there, they had a bit of the same message these days, and all of the other uh, SIs or ISVs, if you're not sure which word, which word acronym is to use here, they all like this cloud thing because and I'm not just talking public cloud but also private cloud of course mm-hmm. uh, it's just a very easy way to land these things without having to do a massive investment uh, go but I don't want to go too much into the uh, marketing speak for my company so let's uh, keep it at that but I do think it's a it's a nice uh, yeah, evolution I think it's going to help uh, move Hadoop or pieces of Hadoop even easier and of course with the yarn 3.0 which we talked about earlier being dockerized that again is a very easy gateway towards virtualization and cloud indeed so links in the show notes for everybody who wants to get who doesn't know yet and wants to know more that was my final article and I think we had all of yours too we do indeed you for the outro yes so let's move on to the main part of this show and let's see i predicted it to our show we're about 30 minutes in 35 minutes so ah, maybe it's still gonna be okay before i'm gonna move out though uh i do want to had a fun uh happy laughing moment when i was looking for news because i've been struggling saying dataworks summit i always keep saying hadoop summit i don't know why hortonworks changed the name of something that's so well known but anyway they did it 
And apparently, uh, everybody says it's the right choice to do because uh, there's been a bit of a uh, tweet storm about it, I guess, where Strata plus Hadoop World also changes his name to Strata Data Conference. <laughs> so great minds think alike, I guess. <laughs> it would seem so. It doesn't would make seem it easier so. than us. But anyway, uh, that is an intro. In the next uh, part of the episode, we're going to be talking about the DataWorks Summit 2017 in Munich next week, where we'll go over the uh, agenda a little bit, which sessions we think are interesting, and pretty much talk about what, we're going, with what we are going to be doing in, uh, at that event next week. So stay with us, and we'll be back after the music. Welcome back. So we are going to talk about the DataWorks Summit in Munich. And uh, as we've done at least once before now, um, we have chosen sessions that we think are interesting. And uh, in some cases, uh, at least in my case, some sessions that uh, we think are maybe not so interesting. Um, the idea here is to maybe give you an idea of some of the sessions that uh, we think that we'll be attending, uh, but also to discuss some of the options uh, when there are conflicting sessions and to give you an overall picture as to what the DataWorks Summit is all about. Anything else to add to that, Jan? That sounds good. Let's do it. All right. In that case, let's get into it. Uh, so we'd actually, although we, we had prepared for this, uh, as usual, we prepare for things separately, and it turns out we had a slightly different view as to how this was going. So uh, I've just picked out all of the sessions that uh, that I think look to be quite interesting and quite useful. Uh, Jon has gone uh, day by day, slot by slot. So we'll let uh, Jon kick things off, and uh, we'll see where we go from there. All right. So, uh, first day, we're only going to be talking about uh, Wednesday and Thursday because there's a couple of days before that where Hortonworks and partners do stuff. And then the day after, there's some courses, uh, trainings you can follow. Uh, mm -hmm. More information about that on the website. We're not going to talk about that. Training is good. Apart from that, make up your own mind. So, starting with the first day, they, uh, of course, there's the uh, introductory plenary sessions, which we don't know what they're going to be about, so we can't talk much about that either. And the first real session slot I had starts at 11.30. And I, for every time slot, I've kind of put a small uh, yeah, summary sentence together for myself. And for this one, it's uh, difficult. Almost all sessions are interesting. So that was a hard choice, actually. It's a good start of a conference when that's the case. And basically, the one that I had the most interest in was the very first one, actually, on the docket, which is uh, an Apache Hive-based data warehouse, which is a talk given by Alan Gates from Hortonworks, one of the founders, which is always a nice way, a nice uh, listen to. And he's going to talk about something, including uh, Apache Druid, which I have heard about but don't know much about, including things like OLAP cubing and things like that. So it's a very data warehouse-centric thing, and mm -hmm. where Hadoop has been, uh, I don't know, um, let's say accused of wanting to replace data warehouse. And on the other hand, people say, no, it's complementary to the two. This talk kind of goes both ways, so I'm very interested to see how that can happen, and it kind of won out over all the other things for me. 
All right. So I, I do agree that there were lots of uh, lots of contenders for this particular piece, but uh, personally, um, for me, it was uh, the tale of two regulations: cross-border data protection for big data under GDPR and Privacy Shield. So GDPR, for those that mm-hmm. don't know, um, it's going to be, if you don't know it yet, you will be knowing it soon uh, if you're in the big data space, the General Data Protection Regulation, which comes into effect in 2018, um, brings a whole new suite of requirements on, around how organizations manage uh, personal and sensitive data for uh, subjects in the EU. Um so there's a number of sessions that, um, and we'll we'll talk about some of the themes of uh, the DataWorks Summit after we've gone through the individual sessions. But this one in particular, um, you know, piqued my interest. Uh, it's uh, got both Balaji Ganansen, who is the uh, previous founder of XA Secure, um, the product that then became Apache Ranger. Uh, he left and has founded or co-founded another organization called Privacera. Yeah. Uh, I don't know too much about what they do, um, but uh, he's co-presenting this with uh, Srikanth Venkat, who's the uh, the product manager for uh, Ranger, Atlas, mm. um, and other um, sort of security and governance tools uh, for Hortonworks. So... I think there's going to be a lot of focus this you know, through the rest of this year on GDPR generally. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see how, uh, you know, what things Privacera adds to the overall picture, um, but also just to, to see, you know, what people are looking at in this particular space. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting topic and everybody has to get be aware of it. It has an exclamation point on my little schedule here as well, but I chose not to go to this one because it's in the business track and I do prefer the technical tracks always. And there's uh, other sessions on GDPR, which I'm going to follow, which we're going to cover later. So that's why this one didn't make the cut for me. But uh, mm-hmm. it's a good thing to see that you're going to go there because as always, we're going to do a uh, post-mortem after the show as well. Indeed. And, uh, we will be talking and you will be able to enlighten me. Indeed. No, 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 no. Just uh, quickly, there are two other sessions in the slot that piqued my interest, and I'm kind of surprised that you're not going to the data at scales and the values of starting small with Apache and NiFi and Minify, which is a talk about uh, the Minify part of NiFi, which I think is very interesting. So if uh, GDPR and Hive don't uh, rock your boat, if you're into the IoT, then that's one I would really recommend. And if fourth one which i would have wanted to go but you can only do one every time of course is the classifying and un- sorry classifying unstructured text a hybrid deterministic machine learning approach which uh, well ml is always fun <laughs> uh, but it really looks like something interesting but it's just a well just between air quotes a uh, application of an ml approach and i'm gonna catch that one on youtube afterwards i hope very good benefits of having the sessions available online eh? Uh, yeah I mean if they didn't do that I would really be sad and I hope they do it quickly this time because last time it took a while <laughs> yeah it did I'm take impatient. a bit. yeah 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 okay Moving so to the next, next slot next slot so for me um, the again there are a couple of interesting ones um, 
I settled on um, Spark Streaming and Suicidal Tendencies, oh. which I, I always love the sessions where where people go through a real journey and you know potentially a real struggle of a journey and uh, try to make sure that other people don't follow um, through that uh, quite so painfully behind them and therefore try to impart some wisdom to the audience and this definitely sounds like one of those sessions yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they, they they talk about their journey through spark streaming through some of the issues that they had and how they came out the other side uh, with a solution that worked for them so I'm you know, really looking forward to this I think it, it'll be uh, particularly interesting uh, yeah, fully agree. I had that one listed, uh, the one with the star for me as well. Uh, it's also being presented by uh, Yuan Shinei. It's a friend of the show. We've uh, had mm-hmm. talks, talks with him before, so it's going to be good to meet him there as well. But uh, it really sounds like a fun uh, session. Now, since you're apparently going to be attending that one, I might go for my second choice, which is a technical session uh, by Jesus Camacho Rodriguez from Hortonworks and Slim Buguera at Hortonworks called Interactive Analytics at Scale in Apache Hive using Druid. And I kind of have a little side note there, depending on on how good the earlier talk by Alan Gates was. So depending on how deep Alan Gates in the first session I'm going to attend is going, I might attend this one or not. If I have had my fill of Apache Druid at that point, I would possibly go for the Building a Real-Time Bank by Andrew McCall from Lloyds mm-hmm. Bank, which uh, would be, an, I mean, looking at the uh, uh, short description, it's a technical session focusing on Apache Cassandra, HBase, Kafka, Storm, Zookeeper, and geared towards architect developer, blah, blah. So it sounds like a good way of noticing how well, a pretty big bank does things, so kind of depends. But uh, I'm still very piqued by the uh, Spark streaming one because suicidal tendencies—that's something I actually I, I can't I can't give that up. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Moving on. Moving on, indeed. The next session, the two ten session. Uh, oh, for me, it was an easy one. I have a summary called Hadoop Tree is a must. <laughs> first session is called Hadoop Tree in a nutshell uh, it's the thing right you can't not go to that one in my opinion well so this this one I found really really difficult because yes so first of all it's uh, Yungping Du who uh, uh, we, I actually know and uh, enjoy um, I've enjoyed some of his sessions previously um, I'm really torn in this session because I'm, I know that this will be good, and uh, I, it's talking about all the things that I'm really interested in that are coming in um, with uh, with Hadoop three. It's it's oh, it's going to be so good. But um, at the same time, we also have 125 petabyte real time streaming multi tenant Hadoop data lake and playing in public cloud using CloudBreak. 125 petabytes. All the lessons learned from those 125 petabytes, how to spin it up, how to optimize it. Oh, so good. So good. Um, 
my, my, uh, my problem with that one was the cloud break part because it's obvious that Hortonworks is uh, really uh, putting his money on uh, Amazon, the, what's it called there, the offering, the cloud offering on Amazon and the HC Insight one on Azure. And CloudRake hasn't really been in the limelight at all. I haven't seen any changes there. So, I'm, yeah, lessons learned are always good. And mm-hmm. CloudRake is a cloud solution, so it's still valid. But I'm kind of afraid it's old news. Well, I'm I'm looking at it, honestly, I'm looking at less from a cloud break perspective and more from a 125 petabytes in cloud. What does that even look like? Um, I, I, I think it's okay. going to be a good session. So, But that being said, uh, this I thought was a particularly um, difficult slot to deal with anyway, because there are actually two other sessions that I also <laughs> wanted to uh, attend. And so the, the other one was uh, debunking common myths in stream processing, um, which has uh, a pair of speakers from Data Artisans, and they're talking about uh, Apache Flink and Apache Kafka. Um, and they, they sort of talk about the uh, four myths, which... Strangely enough, they list in uh, non-numerical order. They list myth one, myth two, myth four, and then myth three. <laughs> Somebody changed their mind along the way. Well, I don't know. Is it because they're they're sort of demonstrating out of order handling? I, I don't know. Anyway, um, I, it's I don't know enough about Apache Flink. Um, it's something on the periphery of sort of things that I'm interested in knowing a bit more about. So I think this is probably one that I'll, uh, I'll catch up uh, with the video later. Yeah. Um, but I think it will be a, a good session. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, about Flink, it's, uh, it's something I don't know enough about either. I've been in a session before about Flink and I'm just lost. So, and we've actually tried to get people from uh, Flink on the podcast, but we haven't had much uh, response from them, which is a bit sad. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Maybe, maybe this is the maybe this is the moment. Maybe we can get some <laughs> folks from there to, to come and talk to us. Um, but I do want to give a very special shout out. Also, during this time slot, information is beautiful. Apache Zeppelin edition. Yeah. Our very own Bernard Walter has been beavering away. Um, there was actually a, an internal sort of uh, get together where a bunch of us. Um, decided that we'd work on a variety of different internal projects, a bit of a sort of internal hackathon here at Hortonworks. And uh, Bernard was looking at visualizations in Zeppelin. And for those of you that have looked at the visualizations in Zeppelin, I mean, they, they, they serve a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. But they're not, then they're, they're fairly rudimentary. Yeah, they're not eye um, candy. They're supposed to be useful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fun- functional, functional, I think. Um, but uh, Bernard was not satisfied with that. So he went away. <laughs> That's the Bernard I know. <laughs> exactly right. So he went away and he's actually contributed a whole bunch of code into the Zeppelin project to produce some really, really nice visualizations um, that are now uh, are now going to be available through, uh, through Zeppelin uh, by default. So, um, I, I, yeah, I, I will... if. Oh, how how can I choose between these sessions? Um, uh, yeah, I'm really going to struggle to choose because I think this session will be exceptional. And I think the work that Bernard's done is truly, truly exceptional as well. So, mm, should be good. Should be good. And more than anything, nice work, Bernard. 
Yeah, I'd be good to meet up with him again. Yeah, and he listens to the show as well. So, hey, Bernard. Hi, Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should have him on the show once to talk about what he did for Zeppelin. Yeah, that's an excellent plan. Let's do idea. that. Let's have that. Then you don't have to go to a session because he can do the session on the podcast. <laughs> uh, visualization is a bit hard on podcasts, I admit. But yeah, still. true, true. That's right. We can link to the session video as well. Yeah. You're totally right. right. That's a very difficult slot to choose. But for me, it's just your Hadoop tree. Uh, you're close to the source and I am. And I just can't let uh, the Hadoop tree in a nutshell run away from me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Moving on. Moving on indeed. So, 3 p.m. Um, what's your pick? Uh, well, I had a summary line here. Yarn tree versus LLAP. Help. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really conflicted on this one because on the one hand you've got the technical session running services on Yarn which doesn't really implicitly say in the short uh, description that it's about the version 3 of Yarn but I'm kind of expecting it is Yeah. but there's also a uh, session by Gunther Heckleitner sorry if I put you the name about LLAP sub-second analytical queries sorry let me rephrase that LLAP, sub-second analytical queries in Hive, which is also something that's very, uh, yeah, uh, alive in my in my mind, the whole LLAP thing. We've got an HE inside, but it's still not being used enough because people don't know about it, and I mm-hmm. don't know about it enough to be able to evangelize it correctly. So, there's two new things, one more new than the other one, but still, I'm very conflicted. I have no idea which one I'm going to do, and it's just going to be at the moment of the day itself that I'm going to decide, I think. Fair enough, fair enough. So for me, I'm, again, slightly torn on this one, although I think I know where I'll go. Um, So the one one of the sessions I'm interested in is another GDPR session. So in this case, it's the automatic detection, classification, and authorization of sensitive personal data impacted by GDPR. And this is uh, another joint session another GDPR session. I think you're sensing a pattern here. Uh, it's Shrikanth again from Hortonworks. And this time, um, VP of Products and Engineering, uh, at least I'm assuming it's engineering rather than which is uh, what's listed on the... I noticed a few typos in the agenda, yes, actually. Um, but let's not focus on that. Uh, but anyway, uh, Subra Ramesh from Data Guys. Um, so... This continuing the uh, the journey into a GDPR, uh, this time with a different product and um, Apache Atlas and Ranger and all those other things as well, and how they all hook together. Um, again, if if you're interested in in this kind of topic, then there's a series of these kind of sessions that uh, you know I guess hooked together should give you a very complete picture of of what. Uh, what is interesting what can be talked about um yeah for me this one was some number three and the reason mm-hmm. i put it so low is because i've actually had a webinar with data guys uh, earlier this month about this very topic so i'm assuming it's going to be some overlap there and i don't really yeah. need to ses- uh, attend the session yeah uh, fair enough one other session is there anything else? Yeah, oh, one other session I do want to shout out about is the WorldPay one, delivering multi-tenancy applications, secure operational, applica- operational platform. Don't talk about that. That so was fast. My, uh, my second one. So, yeah. Because yeah. uh, WorldPay has a very large ins- installation. I even think that they're PCI compliant. Indeed. Yep. And it's being given by David Walker, which I, I happen to know, have uh, worked with him before. So, that should be an interesting one as well if you want to. Yeah, see how a big 
international company uses this for very, very heavy work. Indeed. Indeed. Very, very highly regulated, very highly performant. Um, I mean, that the number that always gets trotted out, and I say it slightly glibly, 65 billion card transactions, um, you know, streaming through this platform. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 it's a, it's a platform of a reasonable size doing quite a reasonable job. So yeah, I think it'll be good. And he's talking interestingly about, uh, you know, how they're planning to expand the platform. Um, in 2017 with Hadoop 3. So they're yeah. they're very much talking about not just what they've done so far, but what their roadmap looks like, which is interesting. Not many organizations are prepared mm-hmm. to uh, to talk publicly about that side of things. So, yeah, very good. Yeah, true. I do hope they do a bit of uh, lessons learned as well, but uh, we'll see. Uh, David being David, I'm sure there will be <laughs> lessons learned there. It's definitely one I'm uh, calling my YouTube list. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on to 4.10 p.m. Uh, my little summary line was, whatever happened to Atlas? And the reason behind it is there's a session there, Apache Atlas, governance for your data, given by Madaniti Raj, excuse me, and Suma Shiva Prasad. And uh, we've talked about this before. Apache Atlas has been, I don't know, not evolving as fast as we wanted to. So I did want to have at least one session uh, uh, in Munich about Atlas to just get a lay of land, get a situation, mm-hmm. situation, sit wrap. What's it? What's going on? What's happening? Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so I already know about some of these things. Um, so Streamline, uh, which is mentioned there, which I think will become known as the Streaming Analytics Manager, um, is is something new, interesting, and exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not going to talk about it any more than uh, is already mentioned in that summary there. Uh, I think that could be a particularly interesting session. I also uh, like a quick shout out to John Mertick. Um, yes. who, from the from the Linux Foundation and uh, obviously heavily involved in the ODPI. Is, and friend uh, of the show. A, indeed, another friend of the show. Um, talking about accelerating big data implementations for the connected world. But yeah, I, I actually, I didn't decide what I was going to go and see on this session. I think it was very much one of those, uh, I'll see how I feel on the day. And uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the stream was my second choice for the day. So I, I agree, it looks interesting. It is, though, uh, however, yeah, end of the day, so you get tired, and it kind of really depends on how awake you still are, right? <laughs> Very true. Very true. So maybe we'll just go to John Murdoch and let him lull us to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Soothe us with glorious stories about ODPI. Everyone, right. everyone should have more ODPI in their life. Good. Moving on to the penultimate session, I think. 5 p.m. 5 p.m. And I've got Spark plus Zeppelin versus Nox. So my prime choice is a revolutionizing text mining with Spark and Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Considering I would probably miss the Zeppelin session from Bernard, uh, I did want to see how Zeppelin is doing. So this was like a good second chance. This is your consolation prize. Yeah, for not meeting <laughs> uh, Bernard. Fair enough. <laughs> So I, I, I picked two here, and one of them is my YouTube pick, and the other one is my uh, go-and-see pick. So my YouTube pick is... And actually, maybe it's worth talking a little bit about 
um, how we went, how we made this or how I made this selection in my case. For me, if I think I can get most of what I need from uh, hopefully watching a video, but failing that, um, even if I even if I only download the slides and view the slides, if I think I can get most of what I need from that, that's that's the route I'll go for that session. If I think it's something that I I really think I'm actually going to want to ask some questions at, then that's a session that I actually want to attend because uh, it's very difficult to answer ask questions to a, a YouTube uh, video. I no, believe me, I've tried. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't go very well. Anyway, so my uh, my example of a session that I think I'll probably just re, um, download the slides and watch on YouTube is the file format benchmark. Yeah, the continuous. Um, uh, competition is good, right? Uh, between Avro, JSON, Orc, and Parquet. Um, I think this is uh, a question as old as time, or at least as old as file formats. Um, <laughs> which is better for which different usage, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, you know, and it, it, competition is good, drives innovation. We all know that. And uh, I'm interested to see what the current state of the art is. Uh, yeah. It continues to shift. It continues to evolve. Uh, but this is probably one I can I can catch up later. Yeah. Well, the choice is also very context-sensitive, right? And depending on your context, yeah. and context being moving as well, sometimes Orc is better, sometimes the other one is better, whatever. Indeed, very true. Also, it's presented by Owen O'Malley. So yeah. I haven't had a session by him yet. Uh, it's uh, fun. Yeah, yeah. It'll, I think it'll be a good session. But the the winner for me, actually, uh, is HDFS tiered storage oh. mounting object stores in HDFS, uh, presented by uh, Thomas DeMore and Ewan Higgs, both from Western Digital. Um, I, I'm seeing people starting to talk more about um, object store and object store integration into uh, Hadoop and how mm-hmm. that would work. Um this I think could be quite interesting, and I'm I'm interested to understand, you know, what the state of the art is uh, at the moment, but also to understand where this is heading in the future. And I think this is this is one where I'm going to want to ask some questions and hopefully not make uh, too much of an irritation on myself. Yeah, I've had that one on my list as well, but I'm a bit surprised with the Western Digital giving this because they're a hardware manufacturer of hard disks and storage solutions let's say true so i'm i don't know if they're doing this from a very hardware or a context then it's less interesting for me because the whole idea about object stores for me in the cloud is uh, block stores and i don't care what kind of disk is behind that as long as it works so it's a bit of a mixed message for me my guess is because i know that they actually they um they do all of their um, returns and test analysis on Hadoop is that they're actually using it internally. Um, uh, and okay. uh, if you look at the uh, the Jira that's rent that's mentioned, HDFS ninety eight oh six, it's actually being driven by uh, both Microsoft and Western Digital. Mm-hmm. So I think they are actually working on it on the upstream. So I think that's okay. that's the focus, which is why I think it could be quite interesting. I agree. Uh, the sessions that are very heavily vendor focused or yeah, those tend to be less interesting, but I think this one could be quite good. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the other one I had on my list uh, for maybe interesting, but not today is the, an approach for multi-tenancy using uh, Apache Knox. 
mm-hmm. Batch and Nox also being one of those parts of the Hadoop uh, distribution, which is not widely known. Many people don't really know it exists or what it's for. So personally, I think I know enough. But uh, mm-hmm. for other people who don't know the Apache Nox and you're struggling with a Kerberized cluster and accessing it from non-Kerberized workstations, mm-hmm. or if you have some benefit from abstracting away some of the details of your cluster, or if indeed you're using something uh, like HD Inside, which also does something uh, very much like Apache Nox, it might pro- possibly be a good session for you. Very good. Very good. And maybe uh, since you told the audience why, how you select your YouTube versus non-YouTube viewing, I got a slightly different, well, totally different version uh, of that. <laughs> Do totally, completely different. For me, if a session is very technical and I think it's going, I want, I'll, I'll want to have access to a couple of computer monitors to look up things, go in depth on specific parts of it, I can't do that at a session. So that's stuff I leave for YouTube, just mm. to be able to really go depth on those things. Okay, interesting. Because asking questions, in my experience, um, hit and miss, very hit and miss. Sometimes it's brilliant, and you wish you were there. And sometimes the yeah, very dependent on the session. Fair enough. Moving on to the last session of the first day. Indeed, five fifty. Yep. So, what are you going for? Uh, well, my summary line says, uh, new beam wins over object store and real world NiFi. Actually, for the last session of the day, it's a pretty hard choice to make. Usually at the end of the day, you get a bit of the leftover, let's say it un- not nicely. <laughs> but this time, this was a very hard slot to choose from. And because you talked about Apache Beam, I think about I don't know, four weeks ago or something. Indeed. It uh, piqued my curiosity. And considering there's the session called Unified, Efficient and Portable Data Processing with Apache Beam, I kind of decided to go to that one. Fair enough. Anything else? Any others? Uh, yeah, well, the other two that uh, kind of lost out on that was the second choice, Dancing Elephants, efficiently working with object <laughs> stores from Apache Spark and Apache Hive. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, I have a little quote from the thing here. The talk will start from the ground up. Why isn't an object store a file system? And uh, for me, I, I hope I know a lot about this already coming from the cloud, public cloud environments. But I do think it's an interesting session for people that uh, yeah, still are struggling with this concept of HDFS, yeah, Hadoop file system, but it's an object store kind of file system. So it's a different way of working with it. So that, I think, would be a very interesting session also. And the third one I had, of course, was machine learning with the IoT with Apache NiFi. <laughs> I mean, it's real-world NiFi. Sadly, though, in my day-to-day work, I'm not seeing that much NiFi. I'm not really involved in a lot of IoT things, so that's why it lost from the uh, Beam one. So sad. So yes. sad. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, your, your second choice is prob- probably my first choice. Uh, I think that the Dancing Elephants working with object stores from Apache Spark and Apache Hive, I think that's probably my pick for the session. I, probably building on the knowledge that I gain on the uh, the, the previous session where we're, we're talking about object stores, maybe mm. I'll be able to ask some suitably intelligent questions at this one. We'll see. <laughs> Time will tell. Yeah. Um the other one that I'm, I was particularly interested in, because my, my background is largely kind of more platform and operations side of things, um, 
the uh, Apache Ambari HTTP cluster upgrades operational deep dive and troubleshooting. Um, you know, we've had a few sessions on the podcast about troubleshooting and uh, upgrading and all the things that uh, you need to think about when doing those kind of things. Um, I'm hoping that this is also going to have some of those kind of lessons learned. And I, yeah, I, what can I say? I like uh, these kind of, these kind of discussions as long as they're focused on uh, the, the tools and the technology and some of the lessons learned. I, I find these, these kind of sessions to be really useful. Yeah, the yeah, only yeah. thing that I'm a little bit concerned about is I don't see anything really new uh, in, at least in the, uh, uh, the abstract. So yeah, may, maybe, too. yeah, maybe, maybe. So that's why I didn't make my cut, and that's why I'll probably go and uh, watch the uh, dancing elephants. But uh, I'll probably do a a quick YouTube scan of this one and, and yep. see how it uh, matches up. Nice. That uh, finishes up day one of uh, the DataWorks Summit. Yes, I said that correctly. I'm, I'm you learning. did indeed. I'm learning. On to day two. Well, let's have a quick break. And when we come back after the short music as a piece, we'll be back for day two. Alrighty. So then, day two. Day two, obviously, we've got uh, a bunch of different keynotes and uh, sessions right at the beginning. Uh, but as we're primarily focused around the breakout sessions, those start at 11.30. Um, my choice uh, here is actually using Spark R to scale data science applications in productions, lessons from the field. I mean, it really does hit all of the uh, the key things that I like to know about. Um, so this is from uh, Henrico Korndorf, uh, CEO and founder of Wireframe. And uh, yeah, I think this sounds like it could be a really quite interesting session. Anything that talks about uh, lessons from the field, um, lessons learnt, all that sort of stuff, always a sucker for that. Yeah, for me, this one didn't make the cut because of that R in there. I don't like R. I know it's a good language. I know it's very useful and a lot of people use it and it's good, but I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. So instead, I am pretty much certain to go to bridle your flying islands and castles in the sky, built in governance and security for the cloud. Again... It's the second Atlas session, or at least what she was going to mention, Atlas session I've got on my list right now. So depending on how the first Atlas session goes, it's really all repeat. I might drop this out. But uh, if that one's good, I'm going to do this one. If this one drops out, I'll probably go to meet Apache HBase 2.0 because it's been a while since I've played with HBase. And this week, by coincidence, I had to do some stuff with HBase and was totally lost. <laughs> so I think I have time for a refresher. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. As good an excuse as any. <laughs> and again, Ace Base 2 the dope. I'm assuming, I'm assuming there's some new stuff in there, so it should, could be interesting. Uh, the rest of this section really didn't uh, tickle my fancy, as the expression goes. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on, then. Moving um, on. Next one, 1220. 
Uh, and for me, it's <laughs> I know, got I know. to be it's got to be solving cyber at scale. <laughs> Apache Metron, hooray! Um, so this is the first Apache Metron uh, session, in, but this one is particularly in the business track. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's geared to more more towards kind of CXO, uh, architect, uh, data science audiences, um, and talking about. Um, Cybersecurity more at a business level, and the the value that Apache Metron is is looking to deliver to the organisations that are wanting to use it. Um, yeah, I love me some Apache Metron. <laughs> yes, well, I'm going to read my little summary line here. Uh, it says, "I'm curious enough to go, uh, about BMW to drop a Metron session between brackets. I suspect Dave will go." <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Now, for me, I'm uh, pretty much certain I'm going to go to the BMW Group, driving the elephant from the lab to global production, because yeah. it's uh, I think it's the only business track session I'm, I've selected, and I'm kind of interested in BMW being a big company, seeing what they're doing, and it's also a moving into production uh, session, which uh, should hopefully have some lessons learned, because it actually says in the in the abstract, uh, we'll share lessons learned, layout parts taken, and detail the results of, uh, achieved. So I'm giving BMW a chance to, uh, how should we say this, to, to, to make the business track relevant for me again. So uh, that's going to be my choice. The Metron one would have been my second choice, but as I said, I'm pretty sure you were going to go there. So no use of us both attending. And also for me, Apache Metron, I, for me, it's still not quite ready. It's still not quite there yet. The idea of Metron, and correct me if I'm wrong, is to have a called the package solution which does the uh, security uh, thing for network security and stuff and it's been building and stuff but it's still not there as a solution so I'm going to skip it another year all right, I'm gonna you know, work my very very hardest to make you eat those words <laughs> I would be happy to <laughs> all right um, so on to the next session then uh, 10 minutes past 2 in the afternoon And for me, uh, there's actually uh, two sessions that I was interested in. Um, One is definitely the session that I'll be uh, attending in person, and that is, unsurprisingly, Achieving Real-Time Ingestion (laughs) and Analysis of Security (laughs) Events Through Kafka and Metron. Yay, more Metron! Um, So, yeah, it's it's by Sagar Gakawad um, from Capital One. Capital One obviously presented at the uh, previous Hadoop summit um, at one of the keynotes and talked relatively in relative detail about some of the work they'd been doing uh, a year ago now. Well, not quite a year ago because it was at the San Jose summit, but near enough. And uh, so really, really interested uh, to hear them talk about some of the other things they've been doing since then. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. My summary line for this one was, cannot ignore Metron forever, in spite of uh, the workflow session, of which I really don't know enough. Because my you know, s- <laughs> that was my, my second choice. That's my, yeah. that's my YouTube catch-up one. Um, yeah. yeah, the choosing uh, a workflow engine for Hadoop uh, by Andrew Johnson of Stripe. Uh, this talk will cover the major workflow engines for Hadoop, Uzi, Airflow, Luigi, and Askban. And apart from Uzi, I really don't know anything about the other ones, and no. I should. No, 
So that was my second one. And my first choice is also the Metron one you talked about. Uh, and I was choosing this one in favor of the earlier one because the earlier one is in the business track mm-hmm. and this one's in a tactical track. And yep. yeah, that just uh, is more my lay of the land. Fair enough. So, but considering you're probably going to do this, I wasn't expecting you to do both of Metron ones. But oh, if I love you me some Metron. Love it. <laughs> yeah, but this is something called an overdose. You have to be careful. No, there's no such thing as Metron overdose. All you get is more Metron. More uh, Metron. If you're all Metron go for this all one. the time, Radio yes, Metron. Yes, we heard it. We heard it. <laughs> so if you're going to go for that one as well, I might just uh, bump my second choice up to first choice and do the Overflow one. Because uh, I'm genuinely interested in that session, and it, it is definitely one that I will I will do a YouTube catch up afterwards. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, kinda, very very interested to hear your views. Yeah, hoping they kind of compare the different ones and which you should use in what kind of environment, and uh, just get some extra information. Mm-hmm. Moving on, moving on, moving on to three p.m. now. Um, At this so, point, the Hadoop sorry DataWorks summit is almost over. Ah. <laughs> oh. But only for now, it'll be back. Um, so this this particular session, um, for me, I I, I I didn't really have much of a, of a of a debate on this. There are a few things that I was kind of sort of interested in, but actually, the one that I will probably go and see. Is the uh, the one from uh, Corey Milton from Dell talking about real world architecture and deployment best practices? Now, I'm taking a bit of a risk on this one mm-hmm. because I've attended uh, attended last year, and I think we we talked about it a little bit during uh, our recap. I didn't mention the actual vendor's name, but I attended something similar last time, and it was. Just a terrible um, marketing-driven set of drivel, and it. I'm hoping that this won't be uh, something similar. So I'm I'm putting a little bit of faith in this that it's actually going to be. Uh, I mean, it does talk? It talks all the good talk. It talks about internal testing and benchmarking and all those kind of good things. So I'm hoping, and it's in the it's in the technical track. Um, so I'm hoping it might be quite a useful kind of uh, update, refresh on uh, some of the best practices in architecture. As I say, platform and architecture, definitely my bag. So, uh, yeah, hoping that it's a good session. Do you know the Corey Mint and what kind of role he has? Uh, it just says principal systems engineer. So, okay. Systems engineer should be technical, right? I would hope so. I would hope yeah. so. Yeah, for me, this is a definite pass because uh, I'm for the cloud, baby. Mm-hmm. So all of this hardware mess, you don't want to mess with that. <laughs> you realize that the cloud is built on hardware, right? Yeah, but abstract it away. I don't have to care. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking. And I'm pretty sure it's not based on Dell or HP or any other kind of brand stuff. All these big public clouds, it's all bespoke hardware. I have no idea who makes it. Probably Supermicro. I have no idea. My pick for this one is, uh, my summary line here was uh, going for a real-world application of machine learning or go to an IBM session. And the one that's winning for me is the Mool Automated Log Analysis Using Data Science and ML by Rohit Choderi and Gurav Navgnagar, sorry, for Hortmerks. Uh, it was a bit of a, yeah, not many sessions here really interested me and in this one, some ML in in 
actual use case, how they did it, how they use it, uh, it's always interesting. So that's why I chose that one. The second one, uh, my second choice here was unleashing the power of Apache Atlas with Apache Ranger. Uh, more Atlas, do I really want that? It's important. And considering I've missed a couple of GDPR ones, I'm hoping these Atlas sessions also put some GDPR in there as well. But considering this is uh, coming from IBM, which has a distribution which is a bit lagging behind uh, the new things, I'm I'm not entirely confident this is going to be up to snuff. But I would ho- I would love to be proven wrong. So those two are the ones I was looking at, and the uh, mool. No idea where it comes about that what that word actually means, because even in the abstract it doesn't really say if it's an acronym or anything. <laughs> But uh, apparently the system identifies the root cause of test failures. And I'm kind of assuming this is what Hortonworks uses internally to do some uh, yeah, root cause analysis of their uh, support system. I don't know. So that uh, sounded a bit interesting. Fair enough. Fair enough. On to the next session at ten past four. And for me, this was uh, relatively simple. Um, there are a few things that caught my eye, but really, um, again, platform background speaking here, backup and disaster recovery <laughs> in Hadoop. Um, there are, it comes up with every large scale customer, you know, what yep. happens if my whole data center fails? Um, how could I, I mean, it's actually in the, uh, in the abstract, how do I recover for a, to a consistent state of data so applications can, can continue to run, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I have my own views as to what uh, backup and DR looks like in a in a big data world. Um, I've spoken to any number of different customers uh, about these kind of views and uh, about the the kind of options that they have. And I'm I'm curious to see what uh, Lars George, co-founder and partner, Open Core, uh, has to say about it. So should it's a technical track, so should be in a reasonable amount of depth. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to see what other views people have. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. Uh, it was also my first pick here. Same reasons as you. It's something that comes up all the time. Cloud on-premise doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I've never actually had a session that puts all the, how do you say, all the pigs in a row or something, that puts it all nicely one after the other. And this looks like a nice catch-all session to do the whole thing. I'm also interested by the fact that it's not given by Hortonworks or Cloudera or one of the distributors, but by mm. a partner or user of this thing. So hopefully having a, a, a third-party perspective on it. So, uh, yeah, also the one that uh, caught my eye. The second choice for me is building a large-scale adaptive recommendation engine with Apache Flink and Spark because, of course, it's the ML uh, angle, which is always interesting for me. But I am very surprised by this with Apache Flink and Spark. Mm-hmm. Those two are pretty much, uh, I won't say competing products, but they pretty much cover the same uh, area of utility, of use. Uh, Spark is kind of a development split off uh, Flink, so... I've actually have a note here, not sure if serious, <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure that they are serious about this because uh, apparently have built something using it too. And my interest in here would be less in the actual subject, but more in the why mix those two together? How can you see these two as uh, not competing, but uh, complementary? But 
I think it's going to be relegated to a YouTube viewing afterwards because the backup disaster recovery one, I would actually be interested to hear what people have to ask in that session. What yeah. the question session is. Because I'm hoping people go to the session, the backup disaster recovery session with questions in their mind. How do I do this? And if the talk doesn't, uh, yeah, answer those questions that people get up and actually ask those questions. Yeah. Me personally, yeah. I don't have a Pikachu cluster in production. So I really don't have questions about this. But it's always hard to go to a customer and talk about the subject. So more information is good. Fair enough. Fair enough. Stepping forward, 5 p.m. Uh, yep. Almost at the end, baby. Indeed, indeed. Um, so... Yeah, it's got hard at this point. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> I, I ended up... Settling, maybe. I, I ended up with a kind of morbid curiosity, uh, and it was around the breaking one million operations <laughs> per second barrier in Hops Hadoop. <laughs> and I, I really don't know what to make of this session. Yeah. Um, so first of all, uh, Hops is uh, yet another open source uh, distribution of Apache Hadoop. Um, and it uses a distributed metadata store uh, for HSFS, the Hops FS, and uh, it uses Yarn. It has <laughs> significant increases on the of performance in the capacity scheduler. It also has a distributed database backend for the metadata, but it currently only supports MySQL cluster as a backend. I. I just, yeah. I, I, this feels like one of those sessions that all of the words that are really interesting got kind of jumbled up together and, and then put into some kind of auto formatter so that it made <laughs> up into sentences and paragraphs. And I, I just, as I said, it's, it's kind of a morbid curiosity. I'm genuinely curious to actually understand what this is all about. Um, and what its relevance is to the wider world. So I, I don't know. So Jim Dowling um, at a at KTH, who it's not an organisation I'm familiar with. Um, yeah, it's a university kind of thing, I think. Because yeah. sounds a bit like technical high school or something. And high school in uh, some countries means uh, university level uh, institutions. Yeah. So genuinely curious so yeah that that's my particular pick what about you uh summary for this uh, time slot was spark graphics wins over hopfs newbie and <laughs> yeah same thing i looked at this hopfs thing and it's i decided to go no because it sounds like too much bingo, uh, buzzword bingo and I was take, taking a look at their website, which uh, doesn't really work. Links don't work. Uh, it actually actively promotes drug use. So I don't know. Uh, they've been smoking something, I think. I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> instead, I'm going to go for fishing graphs in a Hadoop data lake. It's about uh, Spark Graphics, which is a piece of Spark I've not really done much with. But uh, graph databases and graphic, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to take a look at that. But basically, it was more of a finding something that interested me and not really, I really want to see this. Uh, the Presto one was also something, distributed SQL done faster, which kind of interested me. But this was given by Teradata. I'm not entirely sure. 
So, yeah, I've chosen the graphics one at this point, but that might just completely change on the day itself. And maybe we'll just join you for a good laugh at HobbFest. No, I shouldn't say that. For an interesting session at HobbFest. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's really the end of the uh, of the actual sessions. That then from, from 5.50 onwards, there's a set of different birds of a feather sessions. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, what's Which, your view on that? I mean, I've attended some of those. What's your experience? Uh, I think that they're all... I mean, they, they try to um, promote something that's a little bit more targeted in terms of a particular subject and direction and conversation. Uh, I'm not really sure that they they work. Um Personally, I'm I'm less bothered about those. I'm far more focused in what I want to get out of a session, so I I don't generally find those as as useful. Yeah, I also think it's a bit of a fatigue question. It means the end of the second day, most of the people have been running around for two full days, stress yep. everywhere, and then you have to do a kind of community session like this. Uh, it's usually a very sleepy affair. But if there's one I would join, I would go for the Apache Hadoop one, which is more about Hadoop 3. So maybe yep. if I get a lot of questions during the two days, I might attend that one to see if I can get my questions off my chest. Yeah, and uh, it's being uh, being led by Jinping, so exactly. that should be good. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the reason. Uh, that would, uh, That's the one that uh, stands out for me. Fair enough. So shall we have uh, another quick break and a bit more music and then come back with our overall impressions? How does that sound? Sounds like a plan, a plan made by a turtle. All right, turtles for the win. See you (laughs) after the break. And welcome back to this final part of this uh, pretty long episode, looking at my recording track there. Uh, now we touched on all the episodes, on all the sessions, I should say, we were going to look uh, into for the next week's Dataworks Summit. I hope you found it all interesting. But after all this, we had some general, uh, I don't know, remarks, uh, general impressions you wanted to finish off with. And my first, imp- my first uh, reaction after going all through this is uh, uh, there's only six tracks. Yippee! For some reason in my head, maybe I'm totally wrong, but it, I remember last year it was a lot harder to find, to, 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 to select the session I wanted to go to because I think there were more than six tracks and that was just horrible. And I know that if you look at things like uh, Strata and whatever, there's like 14 tracks or something. And that just makes it harder. Uh, so I'm not sure that there were more than six tracks. Uh, I do agree, though, that it did seem a little bit easier this year, so I have a feeling that maybe they've just been a bit smarter in how they've arranged the tracks. Yeah, so, possible too. You know, you, maybe maybe some machine learning's gone into it. Who knows? <laughs> nah, no, probably not. Anyway, yeah, it, it did feel at least a little bit easier to kind of choose topics um, this year. But I, I think the number of tracks are the same. We'll have a, a quick check, no doubt. And, yeah, uh, but the number of categories was less because they only had about four or five different categories these days with business, technical and stuff and had kind of a <laughs> dual layer uh, categorization this time, which made it also easier to quickly select stuff. If you say so. 
Moving on. It felt like a better experience than last year, so. Okay, okay. <laughs> moving on, moving on. So, uh, my, my sort of overriding observation was there was really uh, a very, very heavy focus on security, governance. Um, GDPR came up again and again and again. Yeah. Not, not surprising, uh, mm-hmm. just an observation um, that uh, I think is going to carry on very strongly throughout the rest of this year as, as people are moving towards um, GDPR compliance uh, throughout uh, this year in preparation for 2018 when the uh, uh, the requirements come into force uh, it's it's going to be a year of, of making sure that uh, your data storage um, and data processing requirements are GDPR compliant so I, I think it's just it's reflecting the areas that people are most interested in right now and uh, I think we're going to be seeing much much more about it throughout the year yeah, I'm kind of happy that uh, the summit is actually doing its uh, community service by making people aware of the importance of the whole subject. Because if you don't know about GDPR yet, you're really running behind. You should be planning to uh, become uh, compliant. Because uh, I don't see many businesses escaping the results of uh, GDPR becoming uh, uh, going in force. No, and especially those, especially organisations that are looking to embrace. Uh, big data. GDPR yeah. has very significant impacts on that. So, yeah. yeah, agreed, agreed. Any kind of data leak, you have privacy issues, and now they're f- big, big, big fines. Yeah. I mean, I've heard stuff like it's like 10% of your uh, annual revenue that's uh, the size of the fine. I mean, yeah. A business can go bankrupt on this. Very much so. Moving on. Uh, moving on. Well, conversely, I was kind of disappointed in the lack of sessions on Hadoop 3, Yarn 3. Uh, I really was uh, looking forward to learning more about the new per, new parts of uh, the Hadoop core itself, basically. But uh, apart from the two or three sessions, there wasn't that much in there. If I remember when uh, Yarn uh, f- uh, saw the limelight and Hadoop 2.0 came out, uh, it was all Yarn, 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 Yarn. And this time it's a lot lighter on that, which is a bit of a... Maybe it's normal because, well, it's just John, it's just the core, it's uh, embedded, so you don't need to know much about it. But um, I'm a bit disappointed. I wanted to see more about that. Yeah, I I have a feeling, and it is, I have no insider information um, beyond what is publicly available. I have a feeling and a suspicion that as we move through the various summits, so through Munich, San Jose, uh, Sydney, I think we'll see more Hadoop 3, Yarn 3 stuff uh, emerging in the latter summits. Just just a suspicion on yeah. my part. Not quite possible, because, uh, I mean, I think I'm, I, I'm correct if I say that the San Jose summit is the biggest one where the biggest uh, announcements are made. So, And it's only about a month and a half after the Munich one. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah good chance that uh, that's going to be the big uh, Hadoop 3 blowout. Indeed, yep. I think so. Um, so another observation, uh, and this was uh, one made by Jon and echoed by me, um, a lot of Hortonworks speakers at the DataWorks Summit. And, uh, I mean, usually we would see speakers from other distributions as well, but not, not in this particular case. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about speaker diversity coming up, but uh, a lot of Hortonworks speakers, uh, Hortonworks presenters, 
And to a certain extent, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that happens when you employ the majority of the uh, committers to the Apache Hadoop ecosystem is you get a lot of people talking at the summit. Um, but, yeah, an observation, not positive, not negative, just an observation. Yeah, that's a bit of a, uh, yeah. I mean, as you said, if you if a lot of people are working at the one company, then you know, a lot of innovation will come from that company. Indeed. Moving on to a very, very closely related fact to that, I think. Yes, uh, when I was going through these sessions, I kept looking, searching for the sessions from Yahoo, eBay, Booking.com, and couldn't really find any, even Google. Spotify, one. even. Uh, Spotify was mentioned, Links. but it's a partner, something that creates yeah. something based on Spotify. But LinkedIn yeah, as also, well. Yeah, thing. also LinkedIn. Well, LinkedIn, of course, now is Microsoft, and Microsoft does have a presence. So, yeah, it's not the same. But you're right. No, it's not the same. You're right. <laughs> so it looks like the the big guys kind of dropped the ball on this one, and I have no idea why. I mean, they've been talking uh, at uh, I wouldn't say ad nauseum, but they've been talking a lot on these uh, events. So maybe they've got a bit of a fatigue there. But um, it's it it really caught my eye that those guys were missing. Agreed, agreed. A real shame because I always, uh, I always enjoy sessions from organisations that are using uh, Hadoop in production at <laughs> massive scale. At scales, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, no. net- Netflix and others like that as well. Yeah. Now maybe so, they'll have a presence in the keynotes. Yeah, that's a possibility. Well, maybe of in the keynotes, maybe in uh, you know San Jose or Sydney. Again, possibly as well. Now, I did notice that IBM was uh, very present. They have a lot of sessions from IBM there, which is uh, a change because they've always been at the summits and all the summits. But uh, for some reason, I saw them more than I expected. Yeah, and I think this is um, I think this is kind of has two elements to it. I think one element is their um, their sort of focus on uh, ODPI and becoming a larger part of the. Uh, the Apache big data community. Mm-hmm. I also think there's a strong element. If you look at some of the sessions, there's a strong element of um, architecture, open power support, um, and that sort of things as well. You know, there's a, a lot of architecture focused sessions where they're talking about the value of uh, open power versus x86 uh, for mm-hmm. big data. So I think their uh, marketing engine in full flow, but hopefully yep. their engineering engine as well. <laughs> Let's hope. Indeed. All right. All right. I think we're done. Uh, So in that case, I think that's about all we have time for today. Hope you enjoyed this uh, somewhat larger uh, than usual uh, serving of bite-sized big data, a bit less bite-sized and a bit more supersized. We'll be back in two weeks' time with a brand new episode. And if everything works out as planned, you'll also probably get some special episodes during the DataWorks Summit as uh, we're going to try and do some, some recaps during the summit so we can let you know our feelings as we run through. Uh, but until then, please go to www.roaringelephant.org where you can find out more information, including a feedback form and the rules to the raffle. Very important that you could uh, you could win a free ticket to the San Jose Summit. Uh, you can also follow us using Twitter and the at Hadoopcast tag, and you can contact us via email using podcast at roaringelephant.org. Please feel free to give us any thoughts, comments 
questions or criticisms or any other feedback via any of these methods. Until next time, my name is Dave. And my name is Jill. And we look forward to talking to you in two weeks' time. Bye. If not before, see you then.